Hello, everybody. Welcome back to America's Game. I am your host, Eric Vanek, and I am alongside my co-host, once again, Scott Connor. Scott, what's going on, man? Eric, happy week six. Back for another show. Glad to be here, as always. Shout out to the Destination Devi crew. Uh, they've been crushing it with all their content. Uh, pretty much something daily, multiple times a day now. Uh, so shout out to them. Ray and Jay Rich for uh, really building this thing up over the last couple months. Uh, it's really rolling here now that we're in the season. And uh, we've had some great discussions in the Discord, uh, in my Patreon, just about how wacky this season is. And that's what today's show is going to be about, right? Like how fast yeah. Dynasty moves now compared to a couple years ago. Uh, there's some there's some negatives and there's some positives to it, but this is going to be a fun discussion. So I'm glad to be here with you, man. Yeah, I kind of just came up with this, you know, listening to the chat earlier today while I was at work and listening to everybody kind of chime in with trade ideas and who's gone up and who's gone down. And I kind of just made me think, all right, me and Scott should do our show today on this about basically the values changing so quickly on a lot of these guys from quarterback, running back, receiver, tight ends. It doesn't matter what position it's happening everywhere from what we thought at the beginning of the season until now it's, it's you know, some things have just completely done a 180. And uh, so, so just some, some of the things I wanted to highlight today, man. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. We got some good feedback last week uh, in last week's show. Uh, a couple others reached out and they said it was kind of interesting to hear some of the, the trade discussions. I mean, real trade psychology discussions and the ebbs and flows of the trade market in given leagues. And, you know, I want to just give you a shout out for being just as outspoken as you are about, you know, how, how a dynasty can seem fun when you're going out there and saying, Hey, let me go join a league. But then once you get into it, once you do that multiple times and you're in as many leagues as you and I are, I mean, it really does uh, lend credence to how valuable it is to kind of have a process and know exactly what you want. Because you you don't, I mean, as much as I would love to spend hours upon hours talking trade with people, reading my league, reading everything that goes on in every chat, trying to see who's active and who's not, like we just don't have time for that, you know, between like our actual careers and creating content and trying to manage all our leagues and all the other stuff that's going on. Like you just don't have that time. So you, you want to have that process nailed down. Uh, and you talked about some of the struggles because quite frankly, not everybody in your leagues is playing on the same level. You know, not everybody is playing with the same mindset. It's They don't take it as serious or they're not as active or they're more casual. Or like you said last week, they don't even have a plan. Mm -hmm. So you reach out to them. You're like, hey, man, like, let's make this deal. I don't have a lot of time, but like this makes sense. Let's do it. Right. And it's just, oh, I'm not sure. I'm going to hold off or and really they're not holding off. They're just delaying making the decision. They don't actually have a plan. They don't actually have something in mind where they're like, all right, this is my strategy. And instead of just telling Eric, it doesn't fit with our, with his strategy. They just don't do anything. And those are the same managers that you look back and you go, Oh yeah, he hasn't been active in a week or, you know, you have to remind him to set his lineup. Like not everyone's like that, but I, I just want to point that out that that doesn't get talked about a lot. Mm. everything like everybody talks about dynasty as it's like this beautiful utopia where everyone is active. Everyone talks, everyone sends out fair deals. Everybody's willing to go one way or the other. And it's like a far reality uh, when you're in some of the leagues. And that's, that's part of what you have to overcome 
uh, yeah. I think to play this game. So just shout out to you. Cause you're, uh, you're honest. Yeah. And I, and I know you're very jaded and people are always like, Oh, Eric hates to trade, but like, that's who you are. Yeah. But you also know you got to overcome being like that to win. Mm -hmm. Just sit back and go, Oh, fuck it. I don't care. Right. You know, like you got to still find a way to get stuff done. Uh, but I know it's a challenge. So yeah. Kudos. Yeah. And you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say it on here. Like, um, our friend, Chris Lanksbury, me and him have been going back and forth on uh, an offer. He put up Alvin Kamara in one of our leagues and, you know, I sent him like a second and a player and he's like, ah, I'm going to hold out for a first. And I'm just like, Chris, man, it's, no one's giving you a first for Alvin Kamara anymore, man. It's just not happening. I mean, I'm I'm more than willing to give you a second, you know, a third and a player. You know, that's like my highest I'm willing to really go right now. But even in a point per carry league, somebody's not giving you a first for Alvin Kamara anymore. It's just not happening, especially with his pending suspension next year. So, well, it's funny because I'm probably in the same league, but yeah, you are. I also. I think when you're trying to do something like that, you and I, like we talked about on last week's show, just say what you want. Mm -hmm. Literally say what you want. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I'll throw in the chat, hey, this player's available. But then if I think about it, if someone posts in a chat, this player's available, and they don't say for what or what type of deal or what they're looking for or what they're trying to do, what are you going to do? Like I randomly don't even usually respond to those types. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily, unless it's a player I really want, then I don't yeah. really go go and do it. But if they just put up he's available and they don't say anything, I'm actually less likely to go to that person because I feel like I'm wasting my time sending them an offer for a guy like Alvin Kamara because if they are looking for a first or a first plus, and there's people out there that just have, they're in another stratosphere when it comes to values. Right. So I don't even bother. But it sounds like it all it took is a couple back and forth for you guys to get to a point where you're probably at an impasse. Maybe you're not going to pay what he wants and he's not going to sell for what you want, but wouldn't it have been easier if he just goes, this is what I'm looking for. And this is right. my price and I'm not budging. And I also want to try and get the deal done now so I can get those points now. You know, I don't want to dick around for three, four more weeks and miss out on maybe a couple of his 15, 20 point games that could be in my lineup and, and help me to get to like the one seed. And like you talked about earlier and you kind of shared that um, uh, chart from Adiko in the uh, Destination Devi chat about if you get a first place chance, your odds, you know, increase to win the championship. It's still like a 31.9% chance, but it's the best chance you got if you get that first round by. So, you know, I want to, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get to that first round by if I can and give myself the best shot to win. And at the same time, though, with a guy like Kamara, you have all the leverage, right? Because first of all, you know he's put it out in the public what he wants. And this isn't an attack on Chris at all. Chris is a great manager, yeah. really nice guy, but he's already put it out openly. He's trying to trade this player, right? Yeah. So if four days goes by and you haven't seen a trade where he's traded him away, A, that tells you that either nobody's making any offers, or B, he's getting offers and he's declining them because he's not getting what he wants. But he also knows, man, every time Alvin Kamara takes the field, his ass is the one that's taking the risk, not you. Right, right. You're offering a second and a player or two seconds or something like that. If Alvin Kamara disappears because he gets hurt, guess what? You just move on to the next guy that's available. 
you don't care about Alvin Kamara. Oh, well, I mean, shit happens, you know? So if you're, if you are being the seller, I think you're, you have a better shot in today's game. And this is what we're going to talk about in the episode today. You have a better shot of just kind of laying out there what you're trying to do. Mm. And you got to have confidence in why you're doing it and the process behind it. Not trying to hide the fact that, Ooh, I'm going to put Alvin Kamara on the block and six of the 11 other teams in my league are going to make offers. And I'm going to take the highest one. How often does that ever happen, Eric? If anything, you're fucking lucky. You get one offer. let alone being able to play three or four people against each other for the high price. So I just think you're better off going, listen, I'm trying to trade this player. This is what I'm looking to do. Maybe you don't put the exact like pick you're asking for or whatever, but you, you gotta be specific as to what you're looking for. I'm much more likely to play ball with you in a trade. If you do that versus just guessing. So yeah. And also another thing is you got to look at your league settings and see what is the, process for rookie picks so and i believe in this league it's potential points so if it's a potential points league you want to get all those points off of your roster as soon as you can so if you're if you are tanking you want to go to the bottom as quick as you can and i mean if it's just like even a point scored league and it's just the you know lowest points you know get the 101 um, even that same thing. So you kind of want to take those into effect too. You don't want to keep playing Camara and having him, uh, ruin your chances to get the one Oh one, you know, it, the difference between one Oh one and one Oh four last year was significant, you know, between Brees Hall and, you know, Garrett Wilson or Drake London, Traylon, whoever, you know, it's a pretty significant gap right now. So, yeah, let me, I'm going to actually talk about that because I actually did something earlier this week. Um, I think I even mentioned it as one of my goals for this week was I went through, I created a Google sheet uh, and thanks. Shout out to dynasty Barry who helped me with this is putting the power rank standings filtered by potential points into the Google sheet. So all I have to do is hit refresh on the Google sheet and every one of my MFL leagues, it'll populate on one sheet. So I don't have to go to the league and look, I literally just scroll down, you know, league by league by league. And I can see where I stand in potential points. And I went through the ones that I know are potential points and you do have to check the bylaws. So it's a little annoying. You got to go to your league and look at the bylaws, but the ones where my potential points are already near the bottom. So not like in the, I mean, most of my teams, honestly, when I looked were like 103, 104, like it top, like at the top of the league. So I'm, I'm contending in those. But the ones that were near the bottom, even if I have a good record, even if I'm three and two, four and one, if I'm six or seventh or eighth or ninth, the potential points or lower, my goal is to try to shed potential points. And you might sit there and go, well, that's weird. You know, you're three and two. Why are you trying to shed points? If I'm eighth in potential points and I'm four and one, my team's probably a little bit fraudulent or it's very thin to the point where. I've won some games because my lineup has been healthy and I've set the right players, but I probably have really high efficiency, which means like if I have 90 plus percent efficiency, it means I probably don't have a lot of players to play. I've just run nice with no injuries, no buys yet. I've been setting the same kind of set and forget lineup and I've been winning, but it's kind of an indication that my team might have a little bit of weakness coming forward as injuries happen more as bye weeks come. So my goal has been the leagues where I'm contending even. Where can I shed some of the potential points? Because it tells me my team probably isn't strong enough to win. So how can I kind of have my cake and eat it too? If I know that I'm going to be down the line for fifth or sixth place and maybe I'll make the playoffs, if I miss the playoffs, 
guess what? I want my potential points at 103, 102. I don't want to be 106. Yeah. So those leagues, I want to try to slim the margins down to where it's like, all right, if I sneak into the playoffs because I started out four and one, and let's say I go eight and six and I make the playoffs, okay, I got a shot in the playoffs. But if I go eight and six and I get squeezed out of the last spot, I don't want to be 106 in potential points. I want to be 103. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of just get there on the skin of my teeth. So there's that. And then also the leagues where I'm tanking. You've seen it in a couple of leagues this week. We made a deal. I've made like four, four deals in the DCHQ league. I'm just dumping points. We're fifth in potential points right now, and it's a double copy. So right now we're at the 103. Guess what? I've just shed as many extra players off my team this week as possible. Right. And there's been a couple leagues. I have another league where I own the draft pick of a team that is below me in potential points. So like I have two picks that are not my own, but then there's three teams between us. So like I have the 105 and someone else has the 104, 103, and 102. And so it's not my team. So it's not my pick, but the pick that I'm currently holding is basically too high in potential points. So guess what I did? I just sent those teams with the 102, 103, 104. I sent them Robert Woods for free. Take them. You can have them. I'll send them to the team that's the worst team in the league. If he's dumb enough to accept it, okay. Right. I don't need him. But if you're going to take them, like I sent Robert Woods and Jarek McKinnon, and like I'll just give them to you for free. Right. They're on your team now. Now you're the one that's like, oh, shit. This guy's actually hurting my pick. I could go from the 102 to the 104 because I have Robert Woods. Like, And Robert right. Woods isn't even worth that gap. So it's kind of like put planting landmines to other people. I think that's a massively underrated thing that you you race to the bottom when it's clear you're not going to be able to finish in the top half. Right. So I just want to throw that out there. No, that's actually a really great strategy if you could do that to your uh, guys that you're chasing to get that 101, if you can plant those landmines on their team. So that's not for free. Cool. You literally yeah. give them to for free. $1 fab. And they might look at it and go like, why the hell am I? Why are you sending me Robert Woods for $1 fab? Mm-hmm. I, but I bet you most people would still accept it. Right. I mean, I would try and like, even if it's like a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick, I would still try for that first. But if you have to like Scott's going to the extreme and getting a dollar a fab, then okay, that's where you have to go to. But I would at least try and get the, like the draft picks out of it if I could. Sure. I mean, I, I already spammed for a third and stuff. So it was like, this is where you go to the bottom and you're just like, all right, take them off my roster. But again, like if you were in the other shoes, Eric, and you're trying to shed potential points, are you going to take on a guy like McCole Hardman on my roster? No, not at all. He doesn't help you. He has no dynasty value, yet he'll probably end up contributing like 50 potential points to your team. Yep. What? What's the point? I mean, like, what do you do in those circumstances when you're on the other end? You're the guy trying to shed the points, but you can't even get the fourth. Like, do you, will you just like flat out cut a guy like McCall Hardman just because he's hurting you? Sometimes I've, I've done that. Yes. Um, one that I did this week that, you know, goes back to the Robert Woods one from last week that we were complaining or I was complaining about. I actually sent Robert Woods. I sent Mike Boone and Noah Brown, and I got a 2024 second for all three of them. So if you can package, throw them all right. Five guys. Yeah, through th- two, three guys that are at least usable. Like they're not like um, 
they're better than waiver wire guys to somebody and you can get a, a free 2024 second 2024 third out of it that's what i was want to do that that was my other point i wanted to bring up too so you know uh like you brought up robert wood so aging veterans that are on your team and you're a, you know, a two and three team and you want to tank. So you're Adam Thielen's, you're Robert Woods, even Keenan Allen, you know, guys like that you want to get rid of because honestly, when it comes to the off season, those guys are going to have no value at all and nobody's going to want them. I mean, nobody even wants them really even right now, but they can at least use them right now in the season. So that's, this is the best time to get rid of those types of players and any of these like, fringe running backs that are scoring points right now, like a Mike Boone. If you have a Mike Boone on that team, you got a Latavius Murray who might be scoring here. Like any of those guys I want to get rid of too for like thirds, fourths even if I can. And then those like fringe receivers that are still young, but you know, you're, they're never going to become anything like a Noah Brown. Like I mentioned, um, Greg Dorch, I've been cutting Greg him on Dorch. those teams. Yeah. Like those are, he's just hurting my potential points. Potentially, he has no, he has no roster value well, or no value. I mean, he's just going to be putting up zeros for the rest of the year anyway. So he's actually probably a good guy to not. Just well, to I guess my there. point is like any random game, he could have a, he, he's going to play. Sometimes, like he's going to be active. So any random game, if you are out of it, mm-hmm. there's no point in having him on a team, right? No one's right. going to give you anything for him. Marvin Jones is another one that probably yeah, is going to score Jones 10 points better. per game. Yep. But he has he had any value in Dynasty for years? No. Nope. Yeah, him. I mean, uh, man, I'm just trying to think of some names. But, like, those those younger guys that are like a Noah Kylan Brown. That type. Quez yeah, Watkins. Quez Watkins. Yep, that's another good one. Uh, Anthony I mean, Schwartz. Schwartz, yep. Any of those like younger type players, even maybe even some running backs too, but mainly those wide receivers that you know are never going to be top 50, top 70 wide receivers in Dynasty. Just sell those guys uh, for like anything. Noah, like, like I said, Noah Brown's the perfect example right now. Like I got him for free on waivers um, before the season. So if I can get a third or a fourth for him, even if you think that, oh man, he's he's definitely worth at least a third. Even if you got to just sell him for the fourth, just do it and get those points off your team. So Well, think about this. If you were a shitty tanking team, but you had LaVisca, Chenault, and Diami Brown on your bench. They've right. probably cost you like 30 potential points, even if you were not even trying. Because they both had games where it's like, wow, they would have cracked my lineup. So like they have actually hurt you by having them. And I think this indirectly kind of goes back to what we talk about with the warp data and the roster spots. And if you are truly a like, dead-ass tanking team trying to race to the bottom in potential points, you literally have to do an inventory check on your teams and say, can I sell this player? Okay, no. Is there a path where I could sell this player? And largely, when you're talking about receivers in like the Diami Brown range, the answer is almost always no. How often are you getting a third for those guys, even if they're projected to play? Like, never. Right. And then the third thing is, what could happen in one week's time? Because you don't have a lot of time to just sit and wait. What could happen in one week's time with my roster spot that could net me something of value? And it's not picking up those types. I've seen you do it. I've done it. I would rather cut all those types 
and go pick up Nick Mullins, those types. Because if there's an injury, at least you could say someone might give you a fourth or a third for the backup starting quarterback. But you know what? That guy's also giving you a fucking zero every week. week. So he's not hurting you, but he's also giving you a little bit of bonus down the road if Kirk Cousins were to get an ankle sprain or something like that. Like Nick Mullins might start one game. You might be able to get a fourth or something, but he's not hurting you. And I think that's where kind of the negative work value comes in. Like, man, I, I look at some of these teams and I go, dude, your team has no chance. Your potential points are low, but you got five of these guys. If you just cut these guys, you, you're at the 101. Yep. I had about four or five PJ Walkers on my teams before this week. And now I just got, you know, a starting quarterback that I just picked up for free off of the waivers. Um, because I put, you know, somebody was uh, on injured reserve or listed as out that week, and I got a free roster spot. I just gained a free quarterback that I could trade for like a third or a fourth or or fab or something. So let me ask you this. On those teams, though, let's say you got P.J. Walker. I see your ass trying to pedal him for a third everywhere, and I think you'd take a fourth, right? (laughs) That's the best you could get. Right. So what if you don't get the deal done? Do Do you cut him? So it doesn't hurt your potential points? Um, it depends on the team. Like, if it's a team that I am tanking, yes. If it's a team where I'm not, um, I'll hold on to him because maybe he, he starts again next week. And then he has, I don't know, he goes out and has 300 yards and three touchdowns this week. And then, oh, everybody wants him now all of a sudden. So... Or if it's like um, our game of inches where we got the 101 locked up by like 400 points already, <laughs> he, yeah. he can stay on that team. That's yeah. fine. But yeah. honestly, like you, if you're close with your, if you're within like 20, 30 points, you almost got to try to get rid of him before he starts. Right. Like he could actually hurt you if you keep him around for two weeks and he puts up, you know, a 20 or a 22, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have a quarterback, he's hurting your potential points. Like if you have like Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott, He's going to be in your potential points because you don't have another quarterback to play. So, like, I have a team like that, and I'm like, man, I don't have any starting quarterbacks, but I don't want, I don't necessarily want like these. I don't want like Skylar Thompson on my team because he's going to like go in my lineup and it's going to say like 13 points. And I'm like, I don't want that. Right. So, yeah, this is a a manipulation thing that I just don't see very many people doing. So, it's, it's cool that you're, uh, you're a grind. Eric's a grinder when it comes to this stuff. He's in the chats going, you know, who wants to give me that something for that PJ Walker? And then, yeah, no one does, and he gets pissed. Yeah. Well, it's like you mentioned earlier. Like I, I've been guilty of this in the past too, where I'll say Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson available because I'm a zero and five or one and four or something, and then nobody sends me a, a damn thing. I, I did that in one of our leagues, and no one has sent me one offer at all. So I guess I got to go in there and either manually do it and start sending some offers out or putting in there. This is what I'm looking for. You know, something like you said. I mean, when, think about it. This when you go shopping, if there's a deal or a clearance and there's a price tag, you ever, you ever gone to like a clothes store or something and there's like yeah. a clearance rack? Yeah. Any store has I mean, you go to the clearance rack. But then what if there were no prices on there? You, you'd go, how the fuck do I know it's clearance? Right. What's right. it cost? Oh, cool. It's a coffee mug, but it's only cost me a dollar. Okay. I can tell that's a clearance price or it's a discount or it's a good deal. So I do think if you're, I mean, if you're trying to pedal guys like Alan Robinson, who nobody fucking wants. Yeah. Not anymore. You kind of got to be like, listen, this is what I want. I want 
this pick or I want this type of player or like, and it sucks because you're not going to get probably more than that once you put it out there, what you're asking yeah. for, but or what's, this. The, what's the alternative? You get just nothing, yeah. no offers at all. Yeah. I want like a third or a sandwich from the sandwich shop or something. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's rough to have those types. Uh, just what can you do? What can right. You do? All right, so let's get into the actual show now. Um, so Ray brought this up earlier in the chat, and it, it stuck with me. So I've been thinking about this all day, and his phrase was being comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that's basically the trade values for some of these guys right now, especially these guys that we valued so highly coming into the season I mean, I'll say Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Devontae Adams, Javante Williams, like Trey Lance, just how the obviously injuries have affected that. But some of it is play, too, and also the play of others. So, you know, you're going to trade Najee Harris. I think he's the best example right now. And he used to be worth two first at the beginning of the year, probably or close to it. And now it's like. Scott's even said, I don't even want to give you a, a, you know, a first, like I'd have to give you a second. And you're like, what Najee Harris for a second? Like, no way I'm doing that. That's not fair. The guy used to be worth two first and you got to start becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable in these trades. And you got to realize the values of these guys right now in dynasty has completely changed in five weeks. So that's what me and Scott are going to talk about here today. So. I'm going to go into the uh, the quarterbacks here first. So we'll start with the good on a lot of these um, going first. Just some of the guys that I think personally, um, we're looking at Adiko's um, rankings that he had from the beginning of the season and just kind of how a few of these guys have changed in positions. And then we can talk about like their trade values, um, kind of help some people out with some trade values if you want to make some moves for these guys. So I think the first three quarterbacks that I brought up, and if you have any, Scott, please bring them up too. But I think Trevor Lawrence, Tua, and Zach Wilson have all moved up so far. Would you agree? Trevor Lawrence, yes, just because he came from basically the depths of a bad rookie year to at least looking competent. Now, he has fallen back a little bit. Like the peak of his value this year was probably after week three. Then he had that game against Philly where I was like, oh, bad weather. He looked like shit, but they gave him an excuse. But you always, everyone thought the, and this is how fickle Dynasty is now, week to week. Everyone thought after that Philly game, okay, that was just a really good defense on the road, bad weather conditions. He's going to go home against the Texans who were 31st against the pass and crush. And no, he sucks again. And so now it's, it's shifted from, Okay, Trevor Lawrence could be kind of a generational talent that was just, you know, held back by Urban Meyer last year to, well, you know, now the narrative has shifted to, well, he looks pretty good. He's got a decent floor. He's got a great value floor because, you know, he's not somebody that's going to be given up on quickly. He's going to start probably his whole rookie contract. He's got the type of pedigree where even if he were to fail out like Darnold or Trubisky, he'll get another shot easily. Someone will hand him another job and just be like, okay, we can fix him. Jaguars couldn't, but we can. And now it's like, oh, well, his weapons aren't that great. And and I think for what you were paying before the season, it was, okay, we just need him to get back to competent level, right? 
But then what you were paying after a couple weeks was, you know, he's going to be one of these like floor elevator guys. And I'm not really sure he is. You know, is he going to be another, you know, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, that type? You kind of hope for that. But I don't think it's a guarantee. But neither, none of those guys, neither of those guys were like, all right, they're just going to elevate everybody around them like Aaron Rodgers. You know, they're going to be just like volume dependent, pretty good fantasy options. Their best seasons came when they had really great players around them and a good offensive line and an efficient offense. Like that's what I kind of foresee for Trevor Lawrence. So yeah, I think he's, he's jumped up, but I also feel like he's fallen back a little bit to where I think people are hesitant to put a multiple first round price on him. So I think he's jumped up and he's fallen back. And then Tua, same thing, man. Like Tua, yeah, jumped up. And then after these concussions, all right. Like, like I don't think a lot of people want Tua right now. And that might be all about nothing. We don't know anything about concussions. We're probably very bad at estimating the career impact of concussions. But you coach, you go try to trade Tua in a league, and this kind of speaks to the general topic of about availability and recency bias. Go try to trade Tua in a league. It's, I don't want him. He'll never play right. again. I don't want him. He's not going to play the rest of this year. I don't want him one more concussion. His career is over. You know, like that is that is a serious flaw in his profile right now. Yet, I the fact that I ask, I'll ask you, Eric, are you convicted enough to go out and pay a first plus right now for Tua? A 23 mid first and a second. Depends on how badly I need the quarterback. I think I, I'd be comfortable doing it, especially if I'm like in that 108 to 109 range. 108 to 112 or whatever. I think I'd be okay with doing that because I, I I've seen when he played um, this year with Miami. I, I think I saw enough to to value him a little bit higher than where he was beginning of the year. And like uh, you brought up the concussion thing. Remember when we thought? I, I know I did. Brandon Cooks, one more concussion, he's dead. The guy's gone like two years without one and has been fine. Longer. Know? And Devontae yeah. Adams had a couple of concussions in a short period of time. You're saying the same thing with Pat Fryermuth. Like, oh man. Well, I mean, I guess we don't have a good handle, so you can argue that that part of that is just narrative that, you know, his career's over if he gets one more hit. We don't know that. Right. And like um, Jordan Reed, the former Washington tight end, like that guy was a walking concussion case every single week, it seemed like. You know, one one more shot and his brain was scrambled. Yep. But but that's it. Like if Tua were to come back in week seven, like it sounds like he might Mm -hmm. and he's fine, we forget about it. Mm-hmm. we totally forget about it. If he comes back out and goes for 302 touchdowns, we're like, oh, cool, he's back. It's yeah. so like that. It, that is how quickly things can change. But I think right now you have to make the bet. You can't buy You can't buy a guy like Tua low. You can buy him. Just like a lot of times you can't sell a player high, you can sell him for what you think he's worth. Right. That's the difference, I think, in Dynasty now compared to two or three years ago. You could legitimately go out and go, oh my gosh, this guy just had a blow-up game. I'm going to get double what people think he's worth. Vice versa. He just had two shitty games. I can go buy him for 50%. When really, most people are too sharp to that. If you have two on your team and you believed in him the first couple weeks, you're not selling him low because you're scared of concussions. You're betting on the fact that, okay, he's going to come back. He's going to have one or two games and then the buyers are going to forget he ever had a concussion and they're going to buy him again. Right. So it's really like, can you, is someone willing to buy or sell at the market price? I think that's the difference. I think that's honestly where you're at with both Tua and T-Law and then Zach Wilson, you know, you put him on here as, listen, I don't think anybody really thinks Zach Wilson is, I've never heard one person, very, very few 
Zach Wilson's incredible. His talent is undeniable. But I think a lot of people acknowledge the fact that, you know what, he's in a decent situation where if he fails, it's because he's bad. Right. But he's going to get two years of like a really good surrounding cast and a good baseline of like support. He's got a chance to smash. If he's even competent, I think he could he could kind of do like what Jared Goff did earlier this year with the the Lions and mm-hmm. be an average NFL player, but you're like, damn, he can produce some fantasy points as he gets better. So I think on of this list that I uh came up with here, I think Zach Wilson has actually moved up the most. So I mean, I'm just gonna go one Great. by one here and you tell me who you like better. Do you uh Jameis or Zach Wilson? Wilson. Wilson or Brady, oh, that's easy. Wilson. Mac jo- Mac Jones or Wilson? Wilson. Cousins or Wilson? Hmm. Honestly, I prefer Cousins if I'm actually just looking at like what what do I want sit and forget? Mm-hmm. If I'm buying into an asset, it's Wilson. Right. Uh Aaron Rodgers or Wilson? Same thing. Okay. And then next was Tua. I think Tua is above him still. Derek Carr, I could argue, still above him. Watson, definitely above him. Justin Fields or Wilson? I think it's Wilson. Pretty Wilson, easy. easy. I think Carr, Cousins, and Rodgers is like the, the line where if you know what you have, you're fine with those guys. But if you also wanted to re-roll one of those guys into if Zach Wilson has a couple big games with these weapons, he'll fly past all three of those guys in Dynasty. And Stafford, I'd add to that list too. And he's he was quarterback 12 on here. Yeah, I think, I think take Wilson we'd over, take Wilson, uh, yeah, Wilson over Stafford right so now for sure. That was, you know, six names that Wilson has moved above. So he's went from on this list from quarterback 22 to quarterback 16. So he's, you know, he's moved up quite a bit since the beginning of the season. He's only played two games. I think it's just a lot of the guys in front of him, Stafford, Fields, Winston, you know, have either gotten hurt or just plain out sucked. Yeah, and that's yeah. it's crazy because Wilson plummeted after his injury. Remember, everyone thought he's going to be out for the year with the torn ACL, yeah. yep. and then oh, it wasn't as bad. It was only a month long, and then we got this. It, it'll be interesting to see where this path goes with Zach Wilson because we got this three game stretch of Joe Flacco throwing the ball like forty eight times a game, and that probably allowed us to see what we had in Brees Hall and see what we had in Garrett Wilson, see what we had in Tyler Conklin along with what we already kind of knew we had with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis and Michael Carter. And all of a sudden you're looking at this offense going like, man, they got five or six weapons that they're frustrating for fantasy because there's a lot of them. They don't have a, a concentrated target tree like we would hope. But Joe Flacco kind of showed, all right, all six of these guys can have at least one impact game, which they all have had this year. Then you throw Zach Wilson back into the fold and it's like just – based on like a transitive property, he jumps right back in and everyone just goes, oh, well, this is a first round pick thrown into an offense that actually has looked pretty good with a shitty guy like Joe Flacco. So there's a lot of opportunity for Zach Wilson. And then of course he's come back and he's kind of just managed the game, but he's also won and he's been super efficient, albeit on like really low passing volume. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he's in a situation where I think we're buying into Zach Wilson, the situation, right? If the Jets win like nine games and he's a really good story going down the stretch and he makes just enough highlight plays and there's just enough fantasy points for the Jets, people are going to go, damn, this guy, he all he needs is another year. And then he's going to really take another step, you know, and that's it. That's all you need to go. OK, I want that asset at the end of the year or going into the offseason. Who cares if he's any good in the NFL? That, like, that's how we dynasty, you know? 
Right. And I think the most important part you brought up there without saying it is with Flacco in there, it allowed Brees and Garrett Wilson to get in there and actually play and look good. I think it gave the team confidence to say, hey, these guys are good. They can play. Let's get them in there. And, you know, they played. They played well. And then when Zach came, he can still use those assets. I think if Zach would have played the whole year, so far, and maybe Brees struggled, Garrett Wilson struggled. We might not have Brees and, and Garrett Wilson looking as good as they do right now. And it might have took them a couple more weeks to actually finally get involved in the game plan more and play more. Um, so actually, maybe having Flacco in there was kind of a blessing in disguise because it elevated Wilson and Brees up a lot to show the team, hey, we can play. You know, let's get them in there. And then when Zach comes back, he's got, you know, weapons that are ready to go, even more weapons than he might might have had if he started the year. That's a great point. Like it, yeah. it gave them the, those guys, the ability to flash just enough to where we kind of bought in for, you know, yeah, you're right. If it would have been 23 pass attempt, Zach Wilson, we might've never saw any of that. that that's right. a really good point. And right. we, we would have never forecasted that to start the year. Right. Like we would have right. never been like, yeah, all we need is a couple you know, don't give a fuck Joe Flacco games for Garrett Wilson to, to show that he's good. And then all of a sudden now we get Zach Wilson back into the fold. So, yeah, that's very interesting. Great point. And then, okay, so on to the bad ones so far that have um, that have fallen. So we got Trey Lance. That's mainly due to the injury, obviously. I think Russell Wilson has gone down a little bit just because of how he has struggled. I think a lot of us thought, oh, man, he's going to a new offense. They're going to let him play. He's going to smash. And nope, just not happening right now. Uh, Matt Stafford, uh, we just talked about a little bit. And obviously, Justin Fields as well. So, man, what do we do with these guys? Like, I know in the chat, um, the last couple of days, we, we've really talked about Justin Fields, especially during last night's game. We were just like, oh, my God, give me anybody over Justin Fields. Like, has Fields just fallen, like, almost, like, two or three tiers down? Like, I think he's – I'll still take him above, like, the Matt Ryans, the Davis Mills, Ryan Tannehills, Baker Mayfields, Daniel Jones – I mean, it's probably a, an argument between Daniel Jones and Fields right now, but I mean, he has fallen at least 15 to 20 spots. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting too, because he's one of the few guys, I mean, he showed at the end of last year that even in a complete incompetent system that he still could, could score fantasy points. And even last night, like he's probably going to end up being a top 15 quarterback this week, even though he really couldn't have looked worse. So it's weird how people don't really buy into that part. You know, the same exact thing that's kept Carson Wentz relevant for the last couple of years has been the fact that he's always better in fantasy than he is in real life. You know, he always ends up finishing as like a top 18 fantasy quarterback, even though he's literally gotten run out of two straight jobs and probably looking at being the same thing this year in a third. So until last night, like even Carson Wentz was producing for fantasy. So I kind of see the same thing with Fields. I just feel that his, the stink on him is not going to go away. And what does a whole year of what we've been dealing with the last six weeks of his play in 2022, what does a whole year of that do for his value going into the off season? Could it bounce back? Yeah. 
could the Bears make some incremental changes by bringing in, you know, offensive linemen or better receivers? Like, I'm sure they'll probably do that. But is it going to be enough for the asset Justin Fields on your team to turn around to where next year? Can you envision next year Justin Fields being in a situation like Zach Wilson right now to where everyone just kind of wants to buy in? The team has to put the weapons around him. That's but ha- but think about how much they're going to have to fix in yeah, a, a seven-month period for us to go. Our, I mean, how much would the Bears have to fix between now and next May for you to go, I have to have Justin Fields. I'll go pay whatever it costs. I mean, they have to literally upgrade the entire offensive line pretty much. They have to probably use their first round pick on like a JSN, a Butte, a Jordan Addison. And I can argue that's probably not where they should spend their first round pick. It should be an offensive lineman, the best offensive lineman they can get. And they probably have to go sign a sign a Christian Kirk. Yeah. Like they yeah. need they need multiple pieces. They they, they don't need, need just one rookie. They need like another guy, you know? They need to sign like Jacoby Myers. That's yep. a free agent. Like that would be like their Christian Kirk signing and overpay the shit out of them. So but fix I, the whole line, sign Jacoby Myers, draft a first round receiver, probably do something to make people feel confident that the coach knows what the hell he's doing with Justin Fields' skill set. Right. And then there's still gonna be question marks. And do you really want to bet on the Bears doing all of that in enough time so that you can sell high on Justin Fields? Hell no, because they are incompetent as hell. And then you have other people that are watching Fields play saying, yeah, he's terrible. The bad part is they did try and upgrade all of their weapons. Look at all the guys they brought in. Nikhil Harry, Byron Pringle, Dante Pettis, Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, I'm sure there's more than I'm missing. Uh, but But that's like, it's like going to the junkyard and trying to like soup up your car. No, I understand that, but they literally did try to like bring him in an entire new weapon set. And I mean, they weren't that good. They were like the great value Walmart brand of wide receivers, but they at least tried and it was like completely none of them have worked out. I, I still have a little bit of hope for Nikhil Harry. Maybe he can do a little bit of something because there's nobody else doing anything, but that's it. Like, Dante Pettis is not it. He is like a fringe roster play, rosterable player in the NFL. Byron Pringle's gotten hurt, and he's like 29, so no thanks there. Equinemius has had a couple decent games, but it's not consistent, and he's never been consistent in his life, um, in the NFL at least. Mooney's a good player. I'll give Mooney that. Mooney's a great player. Um, he's just doing it all to himself right now. I just, I've never envisioned him as a number one alpha wide receiver i think he's a really solid number two receiver and then um i like cole Komet, but i think he's just an average tight end like he's not he's not a dallas goddard or um pat fryermuth even like he's not any of those guys i think he's just an average like kyle rudolph when he first came in the nfl kind of player okay so all of that said even if they do all these things are they going to then change the offense to where they're throwing it 38 times a game? Like, so it's going to have to not just be the, mm-hmm. the talent upgrade, but the structure upgrade. And so right. I'm kind of looking at it like I don't, I could care less if Justin Fields went out and struggled 
but they were running an offense where it was like, all right, this is clear. This is going to work when all the pieces are in place. They're just not in place, but they haven't even done that. So there's going to be nothing about the structure of their offense. That's going to get the community to go. All right. I need to buy Justin Fields. It might be all hope and a prayer, but you remember last year with Jalen hurts, how at least we saw like half a season of them trying to go up tempo and pass. Right. Yep. Then they dialed it back. Cause they're like, all right, it's not working when we're throwing to Greg Ward and Quez Watkins. Like they went, they dialed it backwards, but you at least had something to go. Well, maybe they'll do this again. Maybe they'll go back to this route. Like the bears don't even have that. So if you have fields and they do all these upgrades, you're still going to have to sell somebody that, you know, Matt Eberflus and this regime is going to be the one that turns them into a fantasy viable offense. So it's not even fields. It's just, we're fighting against a, a ticking time bomb of you only have another year. You're you're, he's not going to get to year four when they have to pick up his fifth year option to where the dynasty community is still going to be giving him another shot. If you remember year four is when Sam Darnold died that's when Daniel Jones died. Mitch Trubisky died. We give these guys three years. If they're going into year four and it's just the same old, same old, they're dead. Yep. And they're probably not that good. Yep. I so agree. you got a year with fields and it just feels like there's so many things to have to happen. And it's not in the next year. These things got to happen by like March or April for the, for you to go, okay, I can sell him high. Yeah, like it's not just one or two things with fields either that need upgraded. It's like seven things. Right. It's like five offensive linemen, like two more receivers and all that. Like their running backs are decent. They got got David Montgomery, who's a free agent. Khalil Herbert's there. Ebner's there. I think their running backs are fine. Like if they let Montgomery walk, I think they'll be fine there. And they're Um, still not – the thing is they're still not going to change the coaching staff. It's a new no new coaching staff. Yeah. Behind the scenes, the coaching staff is probably going, man, we don't want it to work with this guy. Like, Last we'll week. try. We want it to work with this guy if it can. But if it means our jobs are done, if it doesn't work, then get rid of this guy. You know what I mean? Like, right. there's still a risk of that to where behind the scenes, they're sitting there going, like, we're not going another year like this with this guy. Because then the front office may look at us and go, you're the reason we stink. Not him. Yeah. Yeah. And the front office, this new front office decided, hey, we got to get our defense better. Uh, let's, you know, we're not going to help Justin Fields in the draft. Mm-hmm. So they drafted all these defensive players in the beginning. And, you know, they're they're good players that they've gotten. Um, Brisker and Kyler Gordon, they both drafted high and both are playing pretty well. But their offensive line has been such a glaring need for multiple years. And they just refuse to, like upgrade it like they drafted that tevin jenkins pretty high but he's been god awful like he's been in and out of the starting lineup like they can't even use him half the time because he's so bad so like they've whiffed on that one so and and that's the other thing too okay so say if their first four draft picks this year are two tackles and two guards they still got a hit on them and they still got to coach them up and be good players it's not like you know, they got a hit, you know, so that, that's another one on that. So but, what's the what's the application on fields? I mean, we're basically the way we're right. talking and the way we've talked in the discord is I, I don't feel that the price if you if Justin Fields ends up being an outlier and hits the price to buy back in on the way up is going to be low enough that I don't care about getting out now before the price bottoms out. 
So like I'm looking to get out and bring my exposure to fields to a big fat fucking zero. Right. Because you know what? If I want to buy back in, there's still going to be enough doubt to where I'm going to be able to get him in a couple leagues or in a startup at a reasonable cost. There's really little risk to having no exposure to Justin Fields if I want to get back in the Justin Fields game. But right yeah. now, like, why not get out for what you can? I don't care about getting a quarterback back. Like, it just feels like I'm sitting on a sinking ship that if I can salvage something, I'll just kind of put it out of out of mind for the rest of the year and I'll worry about Justin Fields next year. So I mean what what's the move? Do you just I'm thinking do you just take any twenty twenty three or twenty four four first? Just straight I, up. I don't think you got a prayer to get a twenty three first. Okay, I think well, we're in set we're in second territory at best. Okay. What about twenty four first? Definitely. Okay. Not, if even, I can, not even put we're at like would you would you trade him for Malik Willis? Yeah, you get Malik Williams in two thirds. Would you take it? I yeah, I know you mentioned that earlier. I don't hate it. I don't. I can't argue with it honestly because I think Malik is going to start here sooner rather than later. So yeah, I don't. I mean, a sec- Sam Howell in a second. I think I'd still hold on the fields on that one. Okay, you take Malik in a second. Yeah, Malik in a second. I would do. I mean, that's that's just you just spam that offer. If they decline, they decline. But like, do you take. Would you take Garoppolo in a second? Easy. Geno Smith in a second? Easy. Easy. Okay. I The second is close enough to Fields to where you're kind of like, I want more than a second, mm. but I'm probably not getting a first. But you're going to give me Jimmy Garoppolo or Geno Smith, like a guy I can maybe use? Right. Yeah. And, the, and just a single asset? like So you're saying you won't do any 23 first or you don't think you can even get that? I mean, don't know. I've learned this Try just because I the amount of trades I see that go through and I go WTF, like really someone accepted that just right. send out the offers. But I think the idea is be aggressive. You know, we have a, we just had a primetime game where fields was absolutely horrible and you're going to have a little bit of extra time now. I mean, a lot of places you can't send trades out when he's already played. So you kind of got to wait through the weekend, but if you can, I'll be sending them out now this weekend. All right. uh, if you're on sleeper, you can send trades out if he's already played. It doesn't matter. Um, send out the trades and like you be the aggressor. Right. Like if, if, if I'm starting Justin Fields, I, I don't even care if I'm getting a quarterback back. Cause why am I starting Justin Fields? You know what I mean? Right. right. So I, yeah, I, I just want to get rid. I want to get out. I think that 24 first is what I would be targeting. Yep. If you, um, cause I really think that 24 class is actually going to be better than the 23 class. I'm starting to hype myself and believe it. So I think that 24 first could even be more valuable. So I, I think that's what I would target if, if I were uh, somebody that had fields. Yeah. I think the idea is just, you, you try to bot, try to try to get creative and get value. I don't care what form right. the value it is. I'm, we, we would prefer it to be in the value of first round picks, but if you can just accrue value, that's not more than two pieces, then I'm okay with that. If you justify, Hey, I think I like this player, you know, Jacoby Myers in a second. Like if you accepted that, I wouldn't be like you're insane. Right. Like you're talking yourself into why you're getting a little bit of value here. Do it. It, it. This just feels like one of those assets that's on his way down fast without a rescue boat on the way. And there's going to be opportunity to buy back in because there's going to be enough doubters over the next year where you're going to be able to buy back in. And I'm going to be able to buy back in with information where like if, if everything happens that you said that they need to do, if they do all of that, Next May or June, we'll be looking at, okay, maybe I'll send my late first for Fields. Okay. 
but that's the worst it could get. So yeah, enough about him. We've, we've yeah. hammered him to death. There's other guys. Yep. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we talked about Trey Lance pretty much a couple weeks ago. So if you want to, uh, here are our thoughts about Trey Lance. Go back to like the week three episode and check. Let that me just out. say this about Trey Lance, though. Sure. Sorry to cut you off. I, I think it's changed on Trey Lance. I actually think Trey Lance. This is insane. Trey Lance is in the good category now because there's been so many guys that have fallen out after the first week. We talked about just getting out of Trey Lance for any first, right? Just get out. Yep. I don't think that was the wrong process. But I also have to acknowledge that if we were re-rolling things today, Trey Lance's value has not risen, but it also hasn't fallen since that dip that it took after he got hurt, and many others around him have fallen. So like he feels like more of a safe asset now. Like, all right, at least I have a guy that, like Ray says, I know he's going to be the starter next year. They may they may sign a backup that's intimidating a little bit. But he's going to get another shot. And that's not the same thing you can say about a lot of other quarterbacks like Jameis Winston or Justin Fields. Like they're, You'd almost just rather park Lance on the back of your team. You know, As we start seeing teams fall out of the race, Lance is a lot more appealing to a team that's meddling or out of it than Justin Fields or Jameis Winston or Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Would you take Zach Wilson or Trey Lance? Wilson. Okay. Wilson. So, so Wilson has moved up quite a bit, yeah. Um, I mean, okay. uh, if you're if you're completely out of it and that's all you're getting is Zach Wilson, then I could say, you know what, the time is actually on my side because I know Trey Lance's clock has paused until next year, mm-hmm. and I might rather have that if I'm out of it. But if you came to me and said, you know, it's a 14 team super flex and I'm contending, and you're going to give me Zach Wilson for Trey Lance, I'd probably do it. Okay. Um, quickly, we'll go over one of these last ones: Stafford or Wilson. Which one do you want to go over first? Um, well, let, let, let's dump them into the same pile, but I do think these are not created equal. I'm much more confident on Russell Wilson having right. a bounce back. Cause I think we know what his situation is going to be. Yeah. Could his play calling be better? Could the execution on their offense be better? Could they have a different coach? Hopefully at some point. Yeah. Right. But I think he's locked, he's locked in with Sutton, Judy and Russ in on that offense for multiple years. Now, if they just suck, then they suck. But I don't think we're going to see like the overhaul of catastrophic changes that could happen with the Rams in Denver. So I'm much yeah. more confident on Russ just kind of bouncing back to an average, you know, Kirk Cousins type level and being fine. He may never hit that like top eight, top nine startup value that he was at earlier this year. But I'm pretty confident if I have Russ, I'm not dumping him out of panic that like, he could retire or everything around him could blow up, you know? So I'm, I'm confident in Russ. I actually would probably be more on the side of buying him if I can get out one of these other guys that are below him. Okay. I think Stafford, you can almost argue is in the same kind of situation that Fields is in the offensive line. Like the whole (laughs) thing needs to be redone. He has one good receiver like uh, Fields does. He has cup. I don't think you can say any of the other receivers are any good. Um, he has a, a solid tight end that's just like Komet and Higby. Uh, the running back situation is probably worse than the Bears. I'd probably rather have the Bears running back situation, especially with the um, – we don't know what's going on with Cam Akers right now. Hopefully, you know, it's nothing um, too uh, personal or anything like that. So hopefully he's okay in that regard. But, yeah, I mean, Stafford has 
it's not it's not Stafford's fault. Stafford can still play the game pretty well, but that offensive line is atrocious, and they're getting him killed. I think we both agree that we'd be absolutely shocked that Stafford doesn't miss a game or two at least at this year at some point. We don't see John Wolford at some point. Like Stafford and that Dallas game, he was just getting absolutely just mauled by Dallas and just taking some big shots. So Stafford trade-wise, is he in the uh, you can't get any first form range? Like you maybe probably get a 2024 first, but 2023 first, you think he's in the same spot as Fields? Yeah, I mean, this is what's hard to wrap my head around, and I think all of us that have Stafford are in the same boat, most likely. Mm-hmm. If he was your QB two or your QB three, QB three, I think you can easily say, okay, let me liquidate and worry about you know that spot later. Mm-hmm. If he was your QB two, which I think a lot of people that had an elite quarterback might have built with Stafford as their number two, mm-hmm. just as kind of like, all right, I can't get another elite one. I've tried; it's too expensive. Let me try to get maybe a top you know, 10 producer with Stafford gives me a couple years, but he's not as expensive. If you're sitting on him though, like you're probably in a spot where you need another quarterback mm. yet. It's hard to adjust fast enough to the point. Like, are you really adding an early second to Stafford to go get Derek Carr or Kirk cousin? You remember one of our first episodes of America's right. game when Stafford's elbow injury popped up. You remember yeah. what we said? If you can yep. get out for car or cousin straight up, just fucking do it. Yep. Hopefully and you know how many of those I did? I think I did one of those deals. I was like, uh, no big deal. You know, I don't need to be as aggressive on this as I need to. I was already overweight on cousins. Right. So I didn't flip any cousins or car for cousins. And I flipped one Stafford or I didn't flip any Stafford for cousins, but I flipped one Stafford for car. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I wasn't as aggressive as I talked on this show with you. You even said you would take both of those guys over Stafford because you were worried about his elbow. Right. You were worried. You know, you were worried about the Rams, right? Yeah, a little bit. And so that was one of those where it's like, if there's any risk with his elbow, I think Carr, Cousins, and Stafford were kind of the same thing. So give me the one that doesn't have any risk. But now you send that offer, and it's like, mm-hmm. what do you even have to add if you have? cousins what does the stafford owner have to add for you to take on stafford yeah it's probably like like i don't know if eric would even take a second like a second and a third or two seconds somewhere in that range i don't think you can get a first instead and i think but maybe a two seconds like a 23 okay two two seconds but if i send you a second and a third i bet you you're still a little queasy before you hit accept on that right Especially yeah. if you're contending and you're using cousins every week. Yeah, I agree. Yep. You're probably like, oh man, like I like the two seconds, but damn, like I'm taking on all the risk here. Would you do Stafford and you go down to Gino and get a second? That's where that's where it mind yeah. fucks you because you're going like, oh my god, I can't believe we're at this point. But I, I think it's a that. it's a pragmatic decision to down tier to somebody else if you want to get out of Stafford because I don't think you're getting out of him. I mean, there were people in this space flipping Deshaun Watson for Stafford in the offseason right? because they were worried about Stafford missing a season and or not Watson well, missing a season. season yeah. And it's like, where are those deals now? Where? Yeah. How do you feel if you're that person? 
Yeah. You would rather have Watson if he doesn't play for two more years. Yeah. I so mean, Stafford is teetering on Matt Ryan range where Matt Ryan just fell off the cliff. Like Stafford is teetering pretty close to that. Like Stafford's teetering on being the next Colts quarterback. He's, and you know what's <laughs> funny? He's been worse for fantasy. Yeah. Like the, that's the other problem is if you are a, if you are the team that has cousins and someone comes to you and says, I'll give you two, two seconds and Stafford. The first thing is the dynasty evaluation part. You're looking at both of them. You're going, all right, Stafford is a little bit older than Cousins, but a year less than a year older than Cousins. So I'm not losing a whole lot there, right? But then you look at the risk that goes into it. More importantly, Stafford's not even producing. Like he's not even startable. So he's not going to even help the team that's trying to do the pivot, that's willing to accept the risk. He's actually a downgrade for them in their lineup too. It isn't like it's a neutral. It isn't like he's Tom Brady where he can still be QB 18 or QB 15. You just know he's probably gone after the year. Like that's a risk where you can take on you. Go, All right, I'll make it work for the next year after this. Once he retires here, right. you're getting the shittier player and the more volatile asset with a lot of negative things trending in his direction. So I, I, I think you almost have to eat. You have to, you just have to eat the cost of Stafford. And try to throw him in a deal where you're just paying for an upgrade. Like, do you want to pay three first for uh, Joe Burrow right now? No. Nope. But you know what? If I have to pay two firsts and a second and I just have to fucking throw you Matt Stafford, that's how you get out of him. Right. Yeah. And the person to get in that deal, they're going to go, okay, I got a first. I got another first. I got a second. Okay. 5% of this deal is Matt Stafford. And before you would have gone, man, I'm not paying 10 times Matt Stafford's price to get to Joe Burrow because you think their production could be the same. At this point, that's how you get rid of them, though. You throw him in as an afterthought and it's going to feel uncomfortable, but that's the uncomfortable part. Like, I think that's the only way you can throw him in a package because the person that's tearing down has no interest in him. And, and last thing, if Cooper Cup were to get injured, good Lord, would Stafford be terrible and not even usable? <laughs> Well, on the contrary, I know we're not talking, we're just talking quarterbacks, but I mean, doesn't this feel like it's a dam that's going to break at some point with Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby? Can they keep feeding those guys 15 targets a game at like, you know, six A dot or lower? Yeah, and they're both listed as questionable already this week, so they're already getting banged up. So th oh, this okay. is a real leap of faith on Sean McVay and the Rams to fix this. And if they're not going to fix it, man, it, this, this makes me, does this make you want to get out of some Cooper cup? Like he's so hard to get out of. Cause he's literally the highest warp skill player in the fucking league. Yeah. But the floor could drop out of Cooper cup at any point. Yeah. He, he'd have to, uh, I'd have to get a really good offer to do that. Yeah. <sighs> It's something to think about, but I think it, this I, I've, I've mentioned this a few times, so I'll mention it on here. This is the result of the Rams and their drafting and trading draft draft picks like they have brought this on themselves. There's no one else to blame but the Rams. They have haven't, you know, they trade all these draft picks. Yes, it got them a Super Bowl and. That's awesome. They got a Super Bowl to show for it. And for most people and most fans, they can say, I don't care what happens the next five, six years. We got a damn Super Bowl out of it. And you know what? I can't blame you for that. Uh, being uh, living in Cleveland uh, my whole life 
And seeing these sports teams, I, I don't blame you for doing whatever you can to win one championship. But this is the result of all that trading draft picks and only having like thir- a third, a fourth, and a fifth, a seventh, and that's it. You know, or even like a four, five, six, seven. They had one year, I think. I don't think they picked to the fourth round. This is what happens. Like, you don't get those premium assets, especially where you can build on your offensive line, and their offensive line's bottom 25 now. So this is the result of that. So we've identified the Rams and the Bears as two sinking ships, right? That that are they're they're going to go down. Yeah. Before they ever have a chance to I to think, rise back up. I think the Titans are another one too. The Titans are same thing. Offensive line super shitty. Um, the receivers are god awful. Other than Traylon, if we can ever get Traylon back out there, quarterbacks are not great. Like Tannehill's not great. Malik has a shot. He's shown some promise. But yeah, I think Tennessee is another one that's in that in that boat too. Yeah, and I actually think Tannehill's been better than people give him credit for, but yeah, he's also stuck in a bad situation. So, like, he might be the type of player that, like, like honestly, Tannehill and a second for Stafford. There's a shot Tannehill, like, if they end up getting rid of Tannehill, he's actually another, he's a bridge starter for another year or two. Right. I think he's he's older, too. He's in his mid-30s. I or... believe he's 33. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But so yeah, he's, he's up there. He, he's probably yeah, he probably has one or two more shots if he stays healthy. But like, like that's how far down we are on Stafford to where if you could get Tannehill and a couple picks or Tannehill and another starter, you're probably not any worse off for the wear this year. Truthfully, I, I could see the Falcons if they don't want to draft the quarterback in the top five again. And Arthur Smith says, oh, give me Tannehill. Look what I did with him in Tennessee, even though he didn't, you know. Same thing with Mariota. They get rid of Mariota and then bring in Tannehill to do the job. I could see that happening. I don't know if Atlanta fans would be patient enough for Arthur to to bring in another Titans quarterback. Yeah, hell no. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked if Arthur Smith just gets shit canned at the end of the year, to be honest. All right. We talked a lot about quarterbacks there. Yeah, let's move on. Running back. So the good ones I have on here, and I think most of these are pretty obvious. Uh, Brees Hall, Damian Pierce. I think Josh Jacobs has moved up quite a bit, especially over some of these. He was in that dead tier of running backs, but he's probably moved up to like the top of that tier. And then Ramondre Stevenson, obviously he's moved up uh, with Damian Harris's injury. But I think Brees is the one I want to talk about first because you're pretty bullish on him that, in Dynasty right now, he is the RB1 uh, over Jonathan Taylor, over whoever. Would you? Is that your case? Yeah. I mean, I traded Jonathan Taylor for Brees Hall in a third. Mm-hmm. And really, it just comes down to it's it's not necessarily an indictment on Brees Hall being, you know, this high, high warp guy for this year. Because I don't think that's realistic. He's a rookie. To expect him to eclipse, you know, 20 points per game as a rookie is not likely going to happen. But I think it's a two-way bet. One, it's forecasting a little bit into the future. I think when we get to February or March, Brees Hall is going to be valued higher than Jonathan Taylor. So why not get ahead of it? We already know that. It's not because he's better than Jonathan Taylor. It's because Jonathan Taylor is going to be going into his fourth year. Brees Hall is going to be going into his second year. How do dynasty managers usually treat running backs? They give them a little extra credit for being younger, for being in their situation longer. I mean, Jonathan Taylor will be a free agent after next year. And 
it's funny how fast time flies. Cause two years ago he was in Brees Hall's situation where we were pumping him up as he's the RB one or RB two in dynasty before he really ever deserved to be there. He had, you know, an eight to 10 game stretch at his end of his rookie year that jumped him way up there. But at that point it was like, all right, he's RB one. He's ahead of McCaffrey or he's right there with McCaffrey who was smashing at the time or had come off of a season where he was smashing at the time. So you have to forecast with running backs. I don't have time to look back last year and go, this is what this guy did last year. So next year I'm going to forecast him to be in that same spot. That's not how it works. The production was either on your team when you had it, or you got to look at who's going to do it next year. They're, they're, you don't pay for the past at running back. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is, I talked about it on Destination Dynasty. Like Jonathan Taylor is not a difference-making running back historically. Now, he's difference-making relative to the current crop of running backs where everything has kind of come back to the pack. And we've never had a group of running backs that are more centered in the middle of like the median or average than we've ever had this year. There's a couple guys that are eclipsing like 18 points per game, which historically is shitty. So Jonathan Taylor, if he can put up last year's numbers this year, they're going to look better. They're going to look better from like a warp perspective. But right now he's at like 13 points a game and he's coming off an ankle sprain. It's like, what, what about Jonathan Taylor's situation this year tells you he's going to be a 22 point per game running back. Like he's literally going to have to average like 28 points per game for the next two months for him to get back to that number with the fact that he's already played four games. Yep. So I know averages aren't that big a deal. And obviously who cares what he's done in the first four weeks, if he puts up 25 a game for the rest of the season, but I think we're going to look back at his season this year and go, all right, he was good. He was a top five, top six running back. But if that's 17.5, 18 points per game, you might as well get ahead for the future value of Brees. And then that's as simple as it is right now. Like you can probably get a little plus. The problem is you can't be greedy and say you want, oh, I want a first on top of that's not how it works. That's not how running backs yeah. work, man. Like as soon as there's any warts, as soon as you start to age, the gap between like the next Jonathan Taylor and the current Jonathan Taylor is way closer than what you think it should be in your head. So I see people going, oh, you should get be able to get at least a first on top of this player to get Jonathan Taylor. No, that that's it's just not going to happen. So right. get ahead of the game, man. Like, I mean, what do you think? Because you're usually aggressive with ranking these guys. Like yeah. six months from now, if JT just has a, a an RB10 season, are you really taking him over Brees if they're similar for this year? Are you really taking him over Brees Hall? No, I think I agree with you. I, I I think I'd have them like two and three or one one and three. Um, with B, I'm counting Bijan in there. Um, and yeah, to the point where if you had JT in February, you're probably not adding to Jonathan Taylor to go get Brees Hall. That's not how we play, right? right. We don't got. If I have Jonathan Taylor, I'm not paying on top of him to go get Brees Hall. I'll just go. You know what? I have the RB three in Dynasty next year. I'll just build around him. It, this is not an indictment that he's not good. It's just, if I have to pick between the two, this is a low hanging fruit situation to where you can get a little bit of value for the swap and get ahead of what I'm almost guaranteeing the market is going to say in six months. So that, that's, that's really all the take is has really nothing right. to do with the fact that Brees is better than JT or he has a higher ceiling. I think he has a higher ceiling. Right. But I also think both of them probably just finish in this like really good, but not elite running back range. Right. 
Okay. So Brees is vaulted up for sure into the at least top two. Well, we can say there. Damian Pierce, I think he has gone up uh, significantly as well. He was on this list. Way down. Damn. Yeah, way down here. Where the hell is he? He's got to be above Tyler Algier. Uh, Damian Pierce entering the season. Oh, there he is, RB25. So he yep. was uh, by Josh Jacobs and Zeke and those guys. So he's definitely vaulted Jacobs, Zeke, Montgomery, Connor, A.J. Dillon. Ken Walker, we can have the argument. Um, he's probably in the same range. He's probably... I'd probably take him over Fournette. I'd definitely take him over Akers. Definitely take him over Dobbins. Aaron Jones. Uh, I think you can have that argument. Probably Pierce, though, because he's younger. Chubb. I think Chubb's the most efficient running back in the NFL right now. I think he's in the top five or six. Now, ETN and Pierce, that's an interesting one. You know, you take a Camara, uh, Pierce over Camara, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Mixon, those older backs. I'll just be blunt. I, I don't even care about looking forward for running backs when they're in this range. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if I have Nick Chubb on a team or Christian McCaffrey on a team or Austin Eckler on a team, the last thing I'm interested in doing is down tearing to Damian Pierce because I think I'm getting more of a stable asset. Because I'm taking a, a dip in production too. Like Damian Pierce is not going to hit Nick Chubb or Austin Eckler numbers most likely for the season. Right, right. But I don't, that's not where I want to down tier and pick up value. If I'm down tiering off of Nick Chubb, I'm doing it for a first and a piece. If it's a running back, I'm looking at that running back going, all right, how much closer can he get me to Nick Chubb's points without having to really accept much of the value back in the trade? So, like, I don't really want to down tier off somebody to Damian Pierce. On the contrary, if I have Damian Pierce, I, I'm not really interested in up tiering and paying up on top of him. Because I can buy into the argument of what you're saying. He's younger. He's going to have more of an upward momentum from a value perspective. But it's kind of like, man, like you just take the production that you have with these running backs right now, you know? So I, it's it's a little bit of a, it's kind of a little bit of like a lecture on running backs. But I mean, it really is. We are in a one-year game with running backs that are in this dead zone. And when I say dead zone, it it's not just like the dead zone of how you used to think about it. It's basically 90 to 95% of the running backs in Dynasty are almost in the dead zone, just based on the production of how they're producing right now. And I think how we're going to forecast production in the future to to go. So yeah, I mean, it. you can say Damian Pierce has risen. I do think the difference between a guy like Damian Pierce and Kenneth Walker is if Kenneth Walker produces like Damian Pierce, there will be no questions about his role at least during the offseason, where I think Damian Pierce is going to face, you know, the fact that he still was a fourth round pick. He's going to face the fact that the Texans may sign somebody, the Texans may bring somebody in. So he's going to be somebody that I think dips a little bit. But yeah, I mean, if you put them both in the top 12 right now, I wouldn't have any qualms. But I think Ken Walker has the potential to jump into the top five by the end of the year, just simply because people are going to look at him as a rock solid profile. That's basically Rashad Penny without Rashad Penny there. Do you think Ramondre Stevenson moves up quite a bit, um, maybe to where like Pierce is at now? Yeah, I think Pierce and Ramondre are probably on the same plane right now in terms of like, I think people see Ramondre as basically the same thing as Pierce, where he's got a shot, but there's never going to be a clear cut answer on his future. 
it's going to take a couple years of him staving off potential other competition bodies or draft picks for people to go, all right, I'm buying in fully. Um, with Stevenson and the Patriots, like I can also see that being a wart to where people may prefer Pierce. But I, I just think both those guys are in a range where if I have them, I'm really excited to have them. And at the same time, I'm not really looking a year out on them either. And I think that's just most of the running back landscape. And then I, just a just a comment on Jacobs, and I'll let you weigh in on Pierce and Stevenson. But uh, man, Jacobs is doing great. Like Jacobs is really smashing this year. At the same time, though, he is such a fragile asset. You know, he he is. I always joke about this in the the Discord, but like he's Jacobs is a high ankle sprain away from literally being dead in Dynasty. No one would want him. Like that's how quickly it would turn. There's like no future value built into him. So if you want to buy into him and you go, yeah, I think Josh Jacobs is a really good player. So I just want to accumulate more shares because I'm pretty sure every time he gets a shot or every time he lands somewhere, he's going to kind of rise to the top. Then that's fine. But I don't really think there's any floor with him. He's just, he's literally producing right now. That's it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I think they've moved up quite a bit. Uh, especially Stevenson and Pierce. I think they've moved up into, you know, maybe a tier above to where they were. And like I said, Jacobs, I think he, he's still young. He's, I think he's 23, right? Uh, I believe Jacobs just turned 24, 24. but yeah, he's young. He came in. I mean, he, he was 20 when he got drafted. Yeah. So So he's, he's almost like Mixon in that way. Mixon was the same way. Came in at 20. So I think Jacobs can still give us another year or two of pretty solid production. Like he's Mm -hmm. not going to move up into the, like the top 15, um, any, but I think he could be a solid guy in like the 16 to 20 range that we can count on, um, every single year. So obviously like a lot of the younger kids that are coming in next year, uh, Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson, uh, maybe Zach Evans, maybe Sean Tucker, Tank Bigsby, um, next the following year, Travion, Braylon Allen, those types. Like those guys will all be ahead of him, you know, come you know, when they come in the NFL. But yeah, I mean I think Jacobs can be that solid guy who just sits in this kind of range. So I just I think wanna... he's another Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I could see that. Like and he may not land in a place with a Nick Chubb. But I think he goes somewhere. He's an RB2. He's solid. And as long as he stays healthy and doesn't lose a step, like he's going to be a solid producer that is probably going to outperform his dynasty peak or his dynasty value. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to also understand, like you have guys like Melvin Gordon or Kareem Hunt, like they easily could play through their second contract. Both of those guys are almost like Melvin Gordon is actually like into two different three or four year contracts at this point, right? Mm -hmm. His rookie deal, he was on a fifth year option. And then he's also been out, out of free agency for two years since then. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Kareem hunt will be going into year seven next year. Like that. If you can get a seven or eight year career out of a running back, if you get seven or eight years out of Josh Jacobs, he's probably going to only make it seven or eight years because he's decent. (laughs) So I'd be fine buying into him. It's just, what what do you want to pay for a guy like Jacobs when he elevates to a point where other people now value him as like a locked in starter on their team? You and I don't want to pay that price. It's almost like you wait for next year's Jacobs in the summer because everyone doesn't like him anymore. And that's when you take these types of shots on him. Right. I think um, somebody in in one of my leagues yesterday, the Owen five team, uh, spammed out Josh Jacobs for any 2023 third or first. And I'm like, it's not happening, dude. You ain't getting a 23 first for Josh Jacobs. Nope. And 
And if you're a contender, you'll hear people say, oh, sell high on Josh Jacobs. You're not right. selling high. You're not selling high. The teams I have him on, you know what? I'm just fucking putting them in my lineup. I, the running backs in that range are places I am willing to take losses if the value plummets because something happens. Yeah. Um, I think with, let's go on to the bad ones. So my bad ones that I have that have fallen in value, uh, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, Javante Williams because the injury, Cam Akers is another one. Uh, but I think Najee and, and Jonathan Taylor here, I mean, we've, we've kind of talked with Taylor um, in the Brees Hall discussion a little bit, uh, but let's tackle Najee, man. Like he was pretty clearly RB2 going into the season pretty much everywhere or at least in your top four. Um, some people might have had Javante. I know I personally had Javante above Najee, um, but he was, you know, he was up there. So we'll call him top four. Najee has fallen I mean, I'd probably rather have him over some of the older type guys like Leonard Fournette and. I mean, honestly, would you let, let's just let's just know. say this. We, we've already kind of spoken about Jonathan Taylor, right? There's no issues yeah. with Jonathan Taylor himself. It's just kind of yeah. in relative to the rest of the pack. He's not separated anymore. And Javante, we talked about Javante. He got hurt. Yeah. Tore yep. his ACL. Like, we don't need to rehash that. Here's the serious question. Would you take Javante Williams over Najee Harris? If you could pivot your Najee Harris to Javante Williams and you get a second, you'd smash that, wouldn't you? If I got Javante in a second, yeah, I would I would do that. Yeah. And that just tells you how far down Najee Harris has fallen to where you are willing to eat the entire year of volatile running back production just to get out. Mm-hmm just to get out. Yep. And so all that's telling you is even if you don't say it, that's basically telling you by accepting that trade that you've already pigeonholed Najee Harris as a guy this year that really isn't going to help you that much. He's going to be a placeholder. Hopefully he can get me 14 points per game or something like that at best. So why eat the year on the guy that's literally falling story after story after story when you can at least get the guy like Javante that, okay, you get a second on top and there might be a bounce back window with Javante next season when the hype starts to ramp up. Mm-hmm. Like that's the pragmatic decision and people just can't wrap their heads around. Oh man, Najee went from RB two to here yep, to here. And that, I, that, I, that's why I want to ask your opinion on literally like I, we never saw this type of fall happening, but it happened right in front of us. Like everything that has happened other than like the injury that was nagging, but even this injury, he had it a month before the season started. Yeah. So what about Najee's situation has happened through five weeks that made you say, Oh, I never saw that coming. Every damn thing that's happened to him. We talked about being there before it happened. Yeah. So we were just blind to the fact, well, okay, well they still got to give him a shitload of touches, you know? I think it, has a lot to do with the offensive line. The offensive line is in the bottom tier. Like we talked about with the Bears, the Rams, the Titans, same thing. Even though Derrick Henry's overcoming the offensive line stuff, Derrick Henry's been smashed in the last couple weeks. Uh, But Najee's not getting the pass volume that he got last year. That was a big boon to his fantasy value last year was, was having that. And now he doesn't have it. He's not getting it as much. And he's also 
sharing snaps with a, a more talented backup than they've had in, in recent years and Jalen Warren too. Uh, Jalen Warren's ate into his snaps the last couple of weeks. So I don't know if that's because Najee's they're resting him a little bit with the foot injury or, or what, but also Najee just hasn't been very good this year. Like he's not, he's not an efficient runner, like a Nick Chubb or anything like that. He's just, uh, I mean, he's athletic. He's, I'm not calling him a plotter or anything like that, but yeah, he's just, he's not, he's not what we thought he was for sure. I mean, do you take, I think you've said it before. You're not taking uh, Najee or a 2023 first. You want the first, right? Easy. Yeah. Easy. So I'm, I'm to the point where I would pivot off of Najee if I can get uh, like a, a smash trade for me. If I can take any first, 24. If I can get any first and Rashad White, I'm out. Okay. Like it, it's it, that is, it is pure process with Najee. I just want out. Give me a first. I don't care if it's the 112 and 23 or it's a random 24 first. Give me the guy that I might be able to plug into my lineup in the short term mm-hmm. on the other side. If it's a guy with some upside like Rashad White, fine. If it's literally a spot starter like Eno Benjamin or someone like that, like I could stomach that as well. And that that's hard to wrap your head around that. Like I'm to the yeah. point where even my Najee shares, I'm not even spamming that type of trade because it's hard for me to wrap my head around, wow, this is all I'm taking for him. Yeah. But is it going to get any better? Yeah. How I mean, many what, weeks in a row are we going to see, you know, Ramondre Stevenson blow the doors off of Najee from a production standpoint before we go, man, I might just take Ramondre. Yeah. It's crazy to think about it. I would say six to seven weeks ago, Jonathan Taylor was like, most people valued at like what? Two and a half to three first. Najee mm-hmm. Harris, probably two first. And now we're down to Najee as a single, like, you know, Scott would take a 2023 second. He probably wouldn't even take a, a 2023 first, you know, or you'd try to get the first, but you'd have to probably settle for the second. If you really want to get rid of him that bad, like a second and maybe, you know, another running back. Well, I mean, once you get to the second, it actually becomes, you're actually going the other way because, you know, we talked about on my first show with destination dynasty, I talked about replacement value at running back, right? Mm-hmm. If you can hit that 14 points per game, that's actually worth a second. So I think Najee's going to be that. He's going to be a guy you can plug in and still get 18 touches, probably get you 14 points. But that's more like very, very fringish first-round price at the very, very most. And most of those guys, you can find that type of production for seconds. So why are we paying for some mythical future that we're not even sure he has? Right, right. And so, like, I mean, I honestly, what is the difference between Najee Harris and Damian Harris if Ramondre Stevenson wasn't there? What's yeah, the difference? Or Naj- Najee and Damian Pierce. Yeah, what's the difference? Yeah, there really isn't a difference, um, honestly. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just it, one of the points of doing this episode was to show how fragile the running back values can just crater in a matter of four or five weeks. And Not- how do you combat that? Is having discussions like this and being oper- operating in that uncomfortable range where you can't yep. – you cannot remember what Najee Harris was going for over the summer and just realize that the way we've probably looked at the running back position in years past with trying to figure out, oh, this guy's on a rookie deal. This guy's going to have this workload for three or four years. They're just going to run the brakes off of Najee Harris for three or four years. So, yeah, he might not be that great, but holy shit, he's going to get 375 touches for the next four years. 
Yeah. Until he doesn't. Yep. And then you're going, please, Najee, can you be efficient? Please, Najee, can you bust off a 20-yard run? Please, Najee, can you get in the red zone twice and get me two touchdowns? Mm-hmm. And, and those things don't happen, and you go, wow. And go back to the warp episode we did a couple episodes ago. The worst part about Najee thus far is you still haven't been able to wrap your head around that name cachet changing so quickly. What have you done if you have Najee on your team? You've fucking played him every week. Unless You've you're... stuck him in there and you go, all he needs is just a lot of carries and some, some dump offs. And then he scores you nine points and you go, what the fuck? Unless you're chasing the helmet and you sat him in your football guys league the last two weeks. Right. But <laughs> well, you'd say most people that have him in dynasty have been oh, jamming yeah. him in, right? Jamming him in. Yep. Your, re- your uh, redraft leagues, you drafted him in the first round, most likely. And our football guys that we did, it was May 1st. Uh, it was our very first draft that we did. We had the eighth overall selection. We took Najee Harris. And here we are sitting our first round draft pick the last two weeks um, in a redraft league. So it's it's gotten to that point for Najee, like where he's definitely benchable in pretty much every league. Yeah, and how, and how many people are just coming around to that? How many matchups have you lost thus far because you've played him? You know, yeah. maybe the injury was a veiled reason why you might have sat him. Right. Just because you're like, oh, he's banged up. You know what I mean? Like that might have been a little bit of a saving grace to maybe somebody broke a tie and played, you know, a rookie Brees Hall over him in week two when you really didn't know. Like maybe somebody did that. But that's it. Like he's one of these guys that's toxic. And I think maybe we're overreacting a little bit on how far we should push his value down. Mm-hmm. But even if he ends up being just another, like AJ Dillon, like that, that's just what he is. Right. And that's not a guy you pay a premium for. That is not a guy you or I, or a lot of people that play the way we play will ever pay a first round pick for a guy like AJ Dillon, because you know what? We can probably find the same exact production with a less sexy name with a less sexy projection over the next year or two for half the price or a third of the price. And and that's just what, that's where the running back position is in dynasty right now. So it, it'll be interesting to see this 23 class coming in because as all these guys sink back to the middle, like the Najis of the world, Man, it makes one of those massive above replacement seasons pretty valuable if you have it in your back pocket. You just don't want to forecast and pay the price that it would cost to guess before the season of who it's going to be. Right. Um, okay, so let's go on to the wide receivers because I think we we pretty much nailed the Najee. Well, Taylor. real quick, Cam- sure. Cameron Akers, are you, get out for anything you can. Like, I don't even think you can trade him for a second right now. I think it's a third. Would you take a? Would you take two thirds and just wipe your hands clean? Sure. Or I'm also kind of debating on my thirds are like, like I said, they're, they're negative warp values, especially for my contending teams. Why not just throw a third to him and just stash him and see what happens? Or would you take Elijah Mitchell over Cam Akers? Yeah, I'd probably still take Elijah. Why not go get Damian Harris or Elijah Mitchell? Like you go, you know, those guys are, they're not going to have the greatest roles, but I don't even think those get done. Like, I don't think if some if you go and off spam Acres for Harris or Acres for Mitchell, I don't even think that gets done. But but aren't those probably at least the kind of deals you try? Because at least you sure, know when sure. your guy's healthy, you have a decent player, right? Sure. Yeah, I agree. 
I, I think that that's how far down we are. It's like, all right, let me let me go get the guy that's currently on injured reserve and and see if I can get out of Cam Akers for that. And you may salvage a usable running back for the second half of the year. But I, I think another one, like if if that gets rejected, the Damian and the Elijahs, I don't. If I'm a contender and I had Acres, I don't mind going to ship Acres to get Cordell Patterson and then just ride Cordell Patterson for the rest of the year. Um and see what happens. Maybe even Melvin Gordon, same thing. So so basically what you're saying with Acres is forget about the name. If you right. can just buy like basically replacement value production for the next eight to ten weeks, you would take that over Acres. Easy. Right, yeah. And that can be any that can be any name, any age, any situation. I mean, that that's how far down we are. So yeah. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay, on to wide receivers. So the good that I have on here is basically all the young guys. Chris Olave, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, and then a couple of the other um, veterans, Hollywood Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown, have moved up quite a bit. So I think with the young guys, I think it's just – I think we knew we were they were good, but maybe not this good to where they're already vaulting up like – I'll take all of those guys over Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, uh, probably Michael Pittman. Uh, I, would you take all of those guys over Devontae Adams? Because Devontae Adams is one on, on my bad list. Yeah. I mean, if I'm if I'm picking between the two, completely agnostic to like a like context or situation, then yeah, easy. And, and I think all it takes, and this is a learning lesson for the future, all it takes with rookie receivers is they hit a baseline level of decent production and they flash where they have really high end points at some point during the year. That's all it takes. Like you're looking at some of the market share numbers, like Chris Olave's at 25% market share for the year. He doesn't need to stay at 25% to be considered a big hit. Mm-hmm. If he just kind of operates somewhere around that 20 to 25% range the rest of the year, People will forgive the fact if he's only wide receiver 25 on the season. Who cares? He showed a month worth of production where you're like, all right, this guy's legit. I'm very confident Chris Olave is not going to be a bust, right? Drake London, I mean, he's third in the league in market share. Like, that's unheard of for a rookie. But he's also not producing because the market share, it's, you know, a very small piece of a small pie or a big piece of a small pie. So you're a little soured on Drake London because of that, but it's like the peripherals on him are insane which is why I think we're overly buying him aggressively before the production starts to follow the peripherals. And then Garrett Wilson, like Garrett Wilson is exactly what I said could happen to Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson really only had one big game, Mm -hmm. but he did enough to where you're like, all right, Garrett Wilson's a success. We've already put him in the category as he's good. So that's why his values popped. That's all it takes. And that's just what you're going to see from rookies going forward. Like if they hit those numbers, even on a short period of time, people are going to be convinced that they're good. And that's all it really takes. And then Hollywood Brown, I mean, Hollywood Brown's always been a stud. He's a 24% market share for his career before he went to Arizona. It's like, why would that change? I mean, you know what? He said he wanted to leave Baltimore because uh, it wouldn't help him get paid. Right. But like Baltimore has ended up being a better passing than Arizona. But for him, it's been exactly what he needed. So I think that was like a win-win trade. You know what I mean? For the, both that, the Ravens and for Arizona and Hollywood. So he's always been good. And then Amon Ra, I mean, we've talked about Amon Ra before. But yeah, I mean, 
doesn't take I mean, a lot for people to buy into these receivers. They just got to show that they're good and have a couple, couple flashes you, of, you know, spike weeks. Would you say all of those guys have moved into the top fifteen to twenty? Yes. Okay, that's kind of what I was thinking too with all those guys, especially the the first round uh, picks for sure. And Amon Ra, man, like two weeks ago, people were valuing him as like wide receiver three in dynasty. I yeah, mean, DLF I had him at wide receiver four when. Would so, you go? Would you go that crazy with Amara? Well, you know what? Now on like keep trade cut, he's like wide receiver eleven or twelve. <laughs> so it just tells you all it takes is like an injury and a couple bad games, or one missed game and one bad game for people to go, oh yeah, he's not wide receiver four, he's wide receiver twelve. But but I think the idea is he jumped into that like kind of elite range, and so like we're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt on that for the rest of the year, even if he finishes wide receiver fifteen. We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like he got there, he's going to stay there. So, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I think if there's one undervalued guy on here, it's Marquise Brown. Yeah, it's you hard know? to argue that he's getting so many targets right now. So, yeah, it's well, people really think, hard well, when, when Hopkins comes back, he's going to disappear. It's like, well, okay, Hopkins has a really high market share for his career, but he's going to be 31 at the end of this year. I mean, what, what makes you think? that he's going to push Hollywood Brown aside. I mean, is Hollywood Brown going to get 30% of the targets? Maybe not. But if he gets 26, he can still be a wide receiver one or a low end or a high end wide receiver two. Yeah. But I think people are valuing Hollywood Brown as like, eh, you know, he's good, but he's not quite top 12. Right. Right. You know what? Why is, why is Jalen Waddle better than Hollywood Brown? Cause he's younger. Is that, was that it? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's it. You, you put their numbers side by side and you'd think, oh, Hollywood Brown this year is basically Jalen Waddle from last year. Um, all right, we'll, we'll touch into the bads because I think the good ones you know, are pretty much self-explanatory. But the bad ones that I have listed on here, I think Devontae Adams has fallen. Terry McLaurin has fallen. Jerry Judy, I think, has fallen a little bit. Keenan Allen and definitely Allen Robinson. So... We'll start with the big name, Devontae Adams. I think it's I think he still gets the um the numbers, the targets. He's still gonna have all that, but he's 31. Man, it's it's gonna start, you know, and Dynasty, especially he was wide receiver seven on here. I don't even know if I'd have him in the top twelve anymore. I think he I think I'd take all those younger receivers that we mentioned earlier above him. Uh, like Jalen Waddle uh, was below him on here. I'd rather have Jalen Waddle. I'd probably rather have Michael Pittman. So I think, I mean, I think by the time we get into it next year here, Devontae Adams is going to be like 15, 16, somewhere in there. And you, you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, he's clearly going downhill. I mean, I, I will just, I will correct you. He is only 29 actually. Uh, he turns 30 before the end of the season. Uh, but I talked about on the last destination dynasty show that, you know, if you just went back and looked at the receivers that posted, you know, I measured basically like wide receiver one seasons, which historically is going to be somewhere between like basically between 16 and 23 points per game. How many guys did that after they turned 30 before the end of the season? So essentially the filter was if you turned 30 before December 31st of the, the your season, then you were on the other side. You were counted in the 30 category. So like there there weren't a lot of guys that had hit those numbers to the point where it was like okay 
you're going to bet against it just based on like the historical data of that. So, I mean, for instance, the guys that hit more than 16 points per game in a season, if they turned 30 before their season ended uh, over the last decade, it's only been 18. So only about 14% of the seasons that were over that number were, were by guys that were 30 years old. And Adams would be one of the ones that would qualify for that this year. Uh, currently he's at, I mean, currently right now he's at 20.1 points per game. So he's definitely there. Yeah. And you're, you're feeling the warp advantage if you have him. you know, he's a top six receiver production wise, but you're talking value. I mean, yeah, like he's going to, as soon as the season ends ends and the clock strikes midnight. Yep. He's falling like a, he's falling like a rock two or three rounds. Yep. So, So, I mean, what do you do? He, if you're a contender, that's the guy to go get. And to hopefully that warp season puts you over the top to win it. And you just kind of take the loss with it next year. Maybe you just get out for whatever you can next year and then just take it for this year. Or if you're a middling team to bottom team, you got to sell them. I mean, that's, you have to. I mean, well, you, and here's, the, here's the problem though. If someone comes to you and says, all right, you know, I, I, I want to sell Devonte Adams. If you have, We'll just take Chris Olave because I, I think we would both take Chris Olave over Dante Devonte Adams, right? Mm-hmm. But if you have, like, yes, Devonte Adams is averaging five more points per game than Chris Olave, but if that gap just continues to get a little bit closer together, why does the contender want Devonte Adams over Chris Olave? Right. No, I get that. They yeah, really I, don't. I, no. That's the problem with trying to sell a guy like Adams is you have to sell if you want to get younger. You have to sell into the like non-producing range to get younger at the same time. Gone is the ability to go, oh, I'm going to trade Devontae Adams for Chris Olave because you know what? We would do that as the first place team because there's a good chance I get fairly similar production from Chris Olave, at least from a warp perspective, the rest of the year. I think what I would do personally, I go to the Jamison Williams owner and I get Jamison Williams on a draft pick for Devonte. If I'm tanking or a middling team where I'm okay. Been. So not tanking though. That's easy. If you're tanking, but you right. and I, Adam is probably already off our team if we're tanking. Right. You're but in first I'm, place and you want to get out of Adams, but you also don't want to miss a beat on contending. Yeah. That's where do you go? Are, are you willing yeah. to down tier? And this is why we have this conversation. Are you willing to down tier? slightly to gain a couple years and just if you say yes or no then we'll answer as to why you would do that would you be willing to down tier if you could get down three years but get 95 percent of the production for adams would you do it so you're thinking like maybe like mike evans uh can you get hollywood brown for Devonte adams i don't think so i think somebody wants hollywood would rather have hollywood Okay, can you get Cortland Sutton for Devontae Adams? Mm, possibly, but I'd probably lean. I think it's possible, yeah. I think it's possible. I don't want to say no no either way. I mean, I think that that's where you got to go. You kind of got to yeah. look at these guys where you're like, all right, they're not producing at the Adams range, but like Hollywood Brown, like that is a guy that even if he falls a little bit because Hopkins comes in and he's giving you 16, 17 points per game, you're buying back four years. So really it's just a bet that he's as good as you think he is. And there's no reason to think that he's not, he's produced like this basically his whole career. If you look at his cumulative numbers, he's over 24% market share for his career. 
So is he going to be Devontae Adams at his peak? Probably not. But if I'm going to get 16, 17 points per game for Marquise Brown for the rest of his career, for three or four more years in his peak, you send Devontae Adams in a third without even blinking to do that. And we're not there yet. I think a lot of people with yeah. Adams still think he's way better than that, you know, and it's, he's just not. I mean, like you just said, though, 20.1 points per game this year. Hollywood's 19.5. Right. Yeah, I get that. If if I could do that, I I mean, I, I have a, an Adams team, but I also have Carr on that team. So I don't want to like really. Okay. So aside out. from having Carr and I'm, I'm asking you this and I'm indicting myself here. Aside from having Carr. Why haven't we made this move already? Yeah, that's. And you know what it is? Because there's an inherent bias in the back of your mind that says Devontae Adams is a fucking stud and Hollywood Brown isn't, right? Right, right. Yep. That, and how how long do we wait? How many weeks do we need to see before we can shake that and go, you know what? Maybe I'm going to buy into this data that tells me that over a decent sample size after Adams is gone from Green Bay, that they may not be that different. Right. Well, I agree. So yeah, we should, if you take away one thing from this, like, and I'm sure I'm not going to be able to do it once people listen to this. So I probably have what a day <laughs> to try yeah. it, yeah. flip your Hollywood Brown or your Devonte Adams for Hollywood in a third or Hollywood in a running back or mm. whatever extra you can get. And if you're, they're really staunch on the other end, then you maybe add the third or add the fourth. I think, I don't think there's any question unless an injury happens that Adams is going to just absolutely still smash the rest of the year though. Yep. So if I am a contender, like, and if I can't get rid of him for something like that, I'm perfectly fine just holding on to him and then I'll just deal with it in the off season and of what I want to do. Cause he is, a, he is one of those warp players that is a difference maker. So. And that's the risk of going down to like Mike Williams or Cortland Sutton. You're going down five or six points per game. Mm-hmm. So you are risking losing some of that warp and maybe you gain a couple years, but we, we also know that if all I'm gaining is two or three years and you already, I mean, we can pretty much, we can pretty much agree that like Mike Williams and Cortland Sutton are never going to be Devonte Adams warp range players. Mm-hmm. So you may just be getting basically kind of a flat line wide receiver for a couple years. Who cares if I'm getting more years, I should be able to find the 15 point per game receiver any year, right? Like I should be able to buy that right. guy at market price at any time. They're never going to be somebody that I have to pay a premium for. So why down tier into that range? That's why I think Hollywood, Hollywood is one of them. I mean, obviously if you can get down to like the Amon Ross St. Brown range, if you could do that, that's another one. Jalen Waddle would be another one. Oh uh, T Higgins would be another one. Alave, like those are the guys you'd go down to, but I don't think you can get those deals done. What about Godwin? That, that's an interesting one because he's hit those numbers before. Mm-hmm. Really, it's just it, can he can he bounce back quickly enough from his injury and get to those numbers the rest of the year? Can he get to the 17, 18 points per game, or is he going to maybe be stuck down a tier just because he's still coming off the injury? That that takes big balls, but I think you could maybe get like Godwin in a second, and, and that could really pay off, and you buy extra years. I like that. And also, the only other thing, too, is he's going to lose Brady probably at the end of the year. So. Yep. He'll have that's a, uh, a, something you have to deal with. But but isn't um, that part of why you might be able to get that deal? Yeah, it, it could be. Yep. Like you a, may be able to get a second at least with Godwin to go down from Adams. I don't I think you're right. I don't think you get that from Hollywood because he's, you know, let, love him or hate him. He's probably going to be with Kyler for at least one more year, if not an extension. Right. 
Last one I wanted to bring up on that uh, before we do the other ones real quick. Devontae Smith. What do you yes. think about that one? You do it for Devontae. Okay. Um, the Adams pivot for Devontae? Yeah. yeah, Adams for Devontae. And maybe get like a second back or a third or whatever. Listen, if you go down that range, if you go down to the Sutton, Devonte, that type of range, and you're see the difference with that with Devonte is you're gaining a bunch of years. You're you're gaining a guy that's on a rookie contract for at least three more years on hopefully what you think is a good offense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think that is that is practical to do that if that's the bet you're making. Even if Devonte is just the you know wide receiver two, okay, then the years have to offset what you're gaining. Okay, so yeah, I think if you get a second, I like that. I like that. And then the last ones, I'll kind of just group these ones together. Uh, McLaurin, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson is just kind of just dead. So we'll we'll just go McLaurin and Keenan Allen. Um, I think they're both older assets. McLaurin's going to be, what, 28 next year, I believe, already? 28, yep. And Keenan Allen's already over 30. So, I mean, we've talked about it in the past. We just want to get rid of these older assets and, and tear down. So I think um, McLaurin was listed on here as wide receiver 17. I think he's definitely fallen down into like the wide receiver 25 to 30 ish range. It, I, I posted a, a tweet after week five, mm-hmm. the three guys I'm most concerned about and they're at varying degrees was Terry McLaurin, Alan Robinson, and Elijah Moore. Okay. Now, Elijah Moore, I can give a little bit of leeway to, just given what we already talked about with Zach Wilson and all the weapons they have. I think you have a longer leash with Elijah Moore on your roster. Mm-hmm. But Allen Robinson and Terry McLaurin are two guys that they're, especially McLaurin, like he came into the year with like a career market share of 23 or more percent. Mm-hmm. And he just hasn't, he hasn't posted that. And there really isn't a reason that he hasn't. Because we're not even looking at like, oh yeah, Wentz sucks, the offense sucks. Like he's targets have been taken from him by Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel. Right. Like I never saw that coming. If you would have told me that this is going to be their offense and Carson Wentz was going to be, you know, QB eight going into the week or whatever the hell he was, I would have told you like Terry McLaurin's going to be a big reason that he's going to have a decent year. And he's just not. Like he's at like a 15% target share. Yep. I yeah, don't know I, what's ha- I don't know what's happened there, but that's one of those where I'm like, all right, maybe he's did something happen? Did he get worse? That's definitely not the kind of guy I want to buy low on, though. Yeah. So, and then a Rob. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you how bad it got with Keenan Allen. I traded Keenan Allen for Juju. Okay, and that was just recently, uh, three days ago. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm just going. I, I, I'm a I'm a team that probably isn't going anywhere. So I'm like, I, that's literally, that's one step away from, all right, nobody wants Keenan Allen. You know that, right? Yep. And I'm of course he's hurt. He's, he's got it done. <laughs> I spammed. And I think it was just, all right, Juju's, it, it hit the right manager at the right time who was also pissed at Juju. But right. at least I'm going to have a bigger window to sell Juju if he has a game. Keenan right. Allen will have a couple good games. If he's healthy, he'll come back and have good games. But but even if he goes two straight games of like ten for one twenty, mm-hmm. are you knowing today's dynasty market? Are you even going to be able to fucking trade him then? Yeah, probably not. So yeah, that that was one of those moves where I'm like, that's how far down we are on Keenan Allen. At the same time, you can't go buy Keenan Allen. No, if he goes has a twenty point game, you're not going to be able to buy him for a second. 
So he's just one of the guys. There's just there's no price for him. He's either on the team that has him, or he's going to die on the team that has him. Do you think you could get McLaurin for Jamison Williams done? No. Interesting. You got Keenan for Juju done, but we couldn't get McLaurin for JMO done. That's I, interesting. I, 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 what incentive does the JMO team have to give you him for Terry McLaurin? Right. I agree. I mean, they're going to look at Terry McLaurin and be like, fuck, I can't put this guy in my lineup. Yeah. I mean, I'll take the guy on injured reserve. At least I get a free roster spot. If I could sell my Keenan Allen for JMO, I'd be doing a cartwheel for that, too. I I think we're down to the point where if you want, um, and me and Ray talked about this the other day, you're to the point where if you want to get rid of Terry McLaurin, you're you're selling Terry McLaurin for like Alec Pierce. Mm -hmm. Keenan Allen for Alec Pierce. Like, who would you rather have? Yeah. You're five and you have Justin Herbert. Who would you rather have? The fact that you're even oh. thinking tells you, like, yeah. oh, that's how far we've gone. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying this is the right of play either. Like, if you just said I'm taking Keenan Allen and I'm just going to take every fucking point that he scores, then okay. But, like, the fact that you even hesitated when I asked you that. Right. I mean... Uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's tough, man. I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's not much else to add to it because. I mean, and you put Judy on this list. I, I would be ecstatic if I could get Judy for any of the others on this list. Yeah, I mean, like Judy was wide receiver 19 on this list um, going into it. And I, I think he's fallen at least 10, 15 spots. But I mean, if you could sell McLaurin. Keenan Allen or Allen Robinson in a deal to get Jerry Judy, I'll take Jerry Judy. That's like the that's like yeah, the juju yeah. deal. I, I, give I me agree. the reset button; it'll at least give me a little more of a ramp to be able to move. And and if anybody out there, you can trade any of those guys that I meant those four we just mentioned for Jamison Williams. Go ahead and do it because I think Jamison, when he comes back, I think there's he hasn't played yet. Nobody's even seen him play in training camp or preseason or anything, so he still has the unknown. But I think he's so damn talented. Um, and so damn fast that when he comes back and, and starts playing, like he's just going to surpass these guys so quickly, just like Garrett Wilson and Olave and, and all those guys did. So I, I really, uh, I really would try and get Jameson Williams if I could. Yeah. I threw Judy in the deal today and sold uh Judy, a late first and two seconds, a 23 and a 24 and got Drake London. Nice. Nice. So I was able to throw him in where basically he was a placeholder as like a, Close to a first round pick value, but not quite. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's another way to get rid of them. If you have a couple XX players, you know, if you can up tier, this is one of the few times where, and this is, you know, this is uncomfortable for me to add a first for what I call a threshold receiver to mm-hmm. get a higher tier receiver, right? Like, right. you know, for two or three years, I played the other way. I would have taken the, I would have sold the Drake London down yeah. for multiple pieces, right? Right. But here I'm kind of like, you know what? This is one of those situations where I'm willing to buy on the way up. And there's not a lot of them, but this was definitely an uncomfortable move for me, but I pulled it off. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll skip the tight ends um, since this episode's gone kind of long, but, and we'll just get into our, our favorites game that we usually do. So this one I got for you this week, Scott, what was your favorite TV show? It could be the per- right now or all time. Don't matter. Favorite TV show. Damn, this was the wrong episode for you to ask this question because we've already gone an hour 55 and I could go another 30 on this. 
Yeah, I'm sure I could too. So I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it pretty basic, and I'm gonna list three of them. Okay. And I'm not gonna get too much context as to why, but I'm just gonna list these three, and I'll leave it there. Okay. One. Beverly Hills 90210. And I can see your face right now. You're going like, what the hell? Like, I remember my mom watching that when I was a kid. Yeah, but yeah that on. just shows our age gap. There's like a three-year yeah. age gap between us. So yeah. that, that, was that, like, just... that was like your OC when I was like in a... Uh, in uh, a I, and you know what? It, it spans multiple generations too because the OC would probably be in my top 10. Okay. But not quite top three. So okay. 90210, the original one. Don't give me that bullshit was on WB like a decade yeah, ago. Yeah, that yeah, doesn't count. Yeah. So the yeah. original one, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Dawson's Creek. Okay. A little bit later, but kind of same time frame, like early 2000s, Dawson's Creek. And then again, this just kind of shows that I grew up a little bit, but I didn't. One Tree Hill. Okay. Those are the three. Now, those, and those are ones I watched over and over and over and over. Probably seen, I've probably seen the first two eight times all the way through. And you know how many hours that is that I spent yeah. watching those shows? Definitely not what I was expecting to hear from you, but nope. uh, I, I think this is what the people want to hear, the, the kind of stuff that we do like. So. You admit this shit on a podcast that you know people are going to listen to, and uh, you know what? <laughs> come, come at me, bro. Yeah. Okay. I, I respect it. Hey, you're you're willing to admit it and not lie about it. So, hey, and that's what you liked, and they're all consistent like in the same kind of genre. So, hey, that, that's what you liked, man. I can't, can't fault you for it. Um, I'm going to go with mine though real quick. I, I probably have, I have two for sure. Maybe a third one. Actually, I, yeah, I do have a third one and I know the third one you liked cause we, you'd watched it too. Uh, my first one, I think my favorite all time is the Sopranos. Yep. Fucking great show up there. Absolutely sure. awesome. Second game of thrones and house of dragon and that's going on right now love love the, uh, all that uh, uh, outside of uh, game of thrones the ending season was shitty but game of thrones was an awesome show i watched it from the beginning when it first came out and was a uh, was hooked instantly and was a fan all the way through and then my third one uh that we i know you watched was homeland on showtime Yep. Homeland was really, really good too. Um, I would come home from work after working my overnight shift um, when I started binge watching it, and I would stay up like an extra three hours until like 8 a.m. just to to watch a couple more episodes because I was so hooked, especially like on the early. the early season episodes i think uh, as it went on later it wasn't as good but those early seasons um with uh with damian lewis uh and it were just so damn good man he he is such a damn good actor damian lewis um really and um the other one that's on showtime now billions billions is fucking great too i don't know if you watched that watched all the billions i was just gonna bring up billions when you said damian lewis yep billions is really good yeah billions is awesome uh that's probably up there too for me so yeah that's just a couple of our favorite tv shows honorable mention uh to the entourage too on hbo that was oz yeah i loved oz too i was i was like nine years old watching that shit i shouldn't have been watching that shit when i was nine years old man. i was gonna say i watched oz back in the day but i was a teenager and then i'm like yeah eric eric, eric and i would talk about oz and it was like yeah eric, eric definitely should not have been watching it when he was like in elementary school 
yeah, I'm like, uh, yeah, in like fifth grade, sixth grade, and I'm watching Oz, man. Oh. Shout out to Eric's mom who, uh, <laughs> yeah, DGAF, right? Yeah, did not give one fuck. Yep, not one. Yep. Love it. Good. That's a great one. That's the best one you've asked. Because, I mean, we could literally do like a whole a whole half hour episode or longer on TV shows. Because there's so many others, but those are ones oh, that yeah, just... for sure. I got, I have a whole DVD case thing over here that has all kinds of different TV shows that I've watched. Um, in the past, like I have all the seasons and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, there's so many we could go through, but if I had to pick just one, I think it would be Sopranos. Sopranos was amazing. Yep. For sure. So, all right, man. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on here and doing this again with me. I am uh, at Eric Vanek NFL on Twitter, and you can find the show at America's game pod as well on Twitter. And myself um, at Charles Chill yep. FFB. Uh, show Destination Dynasty on the channel. We've done two episodes thus far. Uh, but yeah, this was a this was a great show. This is this my favorite episode to date. We did a lot of ranting, so hopefully people enjoy just the uh, the the raw Dynasty talk between yep. Eric and I. Like you're going to get a lot of that on this show. Yeah, Ray got back to me because we were going to ask Ray to jump on, but he got back to me like 40 minutes in um before he finally got back to me i was like man we're 40 minutes in and this is already a great episode so yeah i agree i think this is one of our uh, our best episodes that we've done so hopefully you guys enjoyed it if you got any feedback leave it on twitter message me or scott personally let us know if you guys like it or, or maybe some other topics you guys want to hear us talk about uh, we're always open to ideas as well yep good stuff i'll catch yep. you on the next uh next episode next week i guess Yep. Good luck to everybody here in week six. Uh, hopefully the bye weeks don't screw you too much and uh, hopefully no major injuries as well. So we'll see you guys next week.